Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. SHN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. It might have been one of the tightest races ever in a National Football League for a championship. It was 1930, and it was between two teams that still play in the National Football League today. We have the scoop on the 1930 NFL season, the teams, and the competition level coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition of the Football History Rewind, part number 67, as we go through year by year, season by season of the game of American football. And we are in the NFL season of 1930, the professional circuit in 1930, and a lot of things going on there. And some exciting standings in a race right to the finish. Uh, that we will talk about in just a moment. But before we do, let's make sure that you know about our daily newsletter. It comes out each and every day from the pig pen. That includes Pigskin Dispatch, our podcast, our jerseydispatch.com, and Sports Jersey Dispatch podcast, Orville Mulligan Sports Writer, and many of the items from the Sports History Network as well. We put them in a newsletter, delivered to your email inbox for free each and every day, 6.30 a.m., You'll catch up on some sports history uh, before you go on to work or school or start your day. So make sure you, you sign up really easy. Go to the show notes of this very podcast or the top of Pigskin Dispatch or JerseyDispatch.com. Now, let's take a look into the 1930 professional football season. The financial woes of the Great Depression greatly influenced the 1930 season of professional football. The NFL was the only pro organization of the gridiron in 1930 because really nobody else could afford it or even try to start something in such a time of money troubles. Remember Red Grange and C.C. Pyle had that the original American Football League a few years earlier, but that had passed. It didn't succeed. It ended up getting absorbed into the NFL, at least one of the teams, Red Grange's uh, and New York Yankees team did, but they've gone by the wayside. They're even gone out of the NFL. Now, prior to the season, the Brooklyn Gangsters William B. Dwyer and John C. Depler, they bought the Dayton Triangles. So that franchise was uprooted and was moved and renamed the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, when they the Big Apple. 
The Orange Tornadoes, they relocated to Newark, New Jersey. But two franchises, the Buffalo Bisons and the Boston Bulldogs, they dropped out of the league altogether. And they did gain one more team back, the Portsmouth Spartans. They entered as a new franchise into the National Football League. So we had about 10 teams uh, going there. We'll get into that in just a little bit. And the season would be similar uh, as a race as the 1929 campaign. As the same two teams battled for supremacy as the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers were head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Uh, Don't tell that to George Hallis and the Chicago Bears because they were right there in the thick of things too. But it really became a a two-horse race uh, as it got closer to the end of the season as we will talk about. Now remember the importance of having the best record in the National Football League at the end of the season. There was no postseason games in 1930. Those don't come for a couple years from now. It uh, all came down to who had the best regular season record in the NFL. A lot of it had to do with head-to-head, and it went by percentage points. Uh, you know, you're just like you do in baseball with the batting averages. Well, those percentage of wins, the, the victory percentage, that is what constituted uh, who the National Football League champion would be uh, usually selected at a meeting in the postseason, usually after the holidays. Well, the 1930 season of the NFL, it was about as close as you can get by those standards, mere percentage points. And you're going to see how close it was. It was the Packers and the G-Men. In week nine, both sides had excellent records. With Green Bay had a, a perfect 8-0-0 record, and New York was hot on its heels with a 10-1-0 record. And on November 23rd, they would lock horns at the Polo Grounds in New York in front of a crowd of 37,000 people. The Giants emerged victorious in this game by the score of 13-6, setting the record uh, to 11 wins and two losses, 8:46. But after Thanksgiving Day, saw them lose to Staten Island. 7-6, and Green Bay bounced back, defeating the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets by the score of 25-7, retaking the lead with nine wins and two losses, an 8-18 uh, percentage. It went down to the final weeks, as Green Bay fell in Week 13 to the Chicago Bears by three scores, while New York outlasted the Frankfurt 11 by a touchdown. The standings were tighter than ever, as New York stood at 13-4, a mere .004 behind the 10-3 Green Bay Packers. Green Bay had one game remaining, but the New York Giants, their season was done. They were locked in at 13-4, and Green Bay had to win this game or tie against the Portsmouth Spartans. It was, you know, all eyes were on that game in that final week. If the Packers should lose to Portsmouth, and they very well could because the Spartans were a very good team, very competitive in their first year in the NFL, the Giants would be assured almost of the National Football League title. The pressure was on the Packers. And in the game, Green Bay scored on a TD pass from Red Dunn to Ward Engelman. Uh, However, the crucial extra point attempt by the Packers, Vern Llewellyn, missed its mark. It was 6-0 Green Bay. And Chuck Bennett ran for a touchdown for the Spartans. Again, this extra point attempt by Tiny Lewis, it was blocked by the Packers, a very critical point in the game, and preserved, helped preserve the tie uh, 6-6. That was the only scoring in the game. So Green Bay, with their 10-3-1 record, had a 7-69 winning percentage, 
against the New York Giants 765 winning percentage. They gave the Packers the 1930 title. They repeated as Title Town got its second National Football League crown. Remember, it was the first time they had ever won a National Football League title was 1929. So now they double that in uh, the next year. And uh, what a great uh, and glorious win that had to be. And what a race that is. 0.004 percentage points. Uh, you know, all the teams didn't play the same amount of games, obviously. Uh, Green Bay playing only 14, uh, while the New York Giants played 17. But that was their option. They chose to play those, and they scheduled them. And final standings had the Packers 10-3-1, and and Giants 13-4, and as we discussed. The Chicago Bears were right on their heels 9-4-1, and Brooklyn Dodgers 7-4-1, the Providence Steamroller a 6-4-1 record. Staten Island and Stapletons were an even 5-5-2. Chicago Cardinals were 5-6-2. Portsmouth ended at 5-6-3. Frankfurt Yellow Jackets were 4-13-1. Minneapolis Red Jackets were still in there, 1-7-1. And the Newark Tornadoes had one win, 10 losses, and one tie to finish at the bottom of the National Football League. Now, there were some stats. There wasn't a whole lot of stats in the National Football League. Not like today with fantasy football. And we, gosh, we know how many times uh, the coach and the assistant coach sneeze on the sideline. But the players back then, they really didn't have a lot of statistics that were being kept accurately and consistently. But we do know who the scoring leaders were. That was something that the the players took pride in. Scoring was, you know, not as... uh, uh, evident and not as uh, easily done in, as it is in today's game. There was a lot more uh, rules favoring the defense back in those days. But so scoring was uh, very much a privilege and a premium. And the leader of the National Football League that year was a player for Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Dodgers, Jack McBride. He was the fullback, 29 years old that year. He, in 11 games, he scored. Uh, started 11 games and had eight rushing touchdowns to lead the league. Now, Vern Llewellyn, who we talked about of the Green Bay Packers, he ended up playing in 14 games, started 11, had eight rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. So he was right on the heels there. Uh, Ken Strong ended up, uh, you know, for the Staten Island Stapletons, he ended up having two touchdowns and five receiving touchdowns. And Benny Friedman, with uh, you know, 15 games in, six scores. Red Grange, six touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. Ernie Nevers had uh, six touchdowns himself. Chuck Bennett with five and a receiving touchdown. Mays McLean had four runs into the end zone and caught three passes for score. And Dale Burnett of the New York Giants, he scored four touchdowns, three receptions. And we have all the stats there uh, powered by ProFootballReference.com on Pigskin Dispatch. You can follow the link of the in the show notes of this podcast to go and check out our article that we have wrote on this as well. So the Green Bay Packers closed out the decade of the 1920s as the NFL champions. They also closed an era of professional football and collegiate football that many consider the golden age. And we've talked about these last you know, 30 or so episodes of Football History Rewind of the golden age. And changes were coming to football as it entered into a new age for the 1931 season. And we're going to talk about those starting with the college season next week in our Football History Rewind Part number 70, taking you into a whole new era. So 
Uh, we you know, want to thank uh, some of our sources like newspapers.com, profootballreference.com, as we mentioned, American Football Fandom, Wikipedia, and the Professional Football Research Association, PFRA. A uh, big convention happening this summer down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the, the, where the start of professional football was. And uh, we hope to see you there. Uh, for details, email me, pigskindispatch at gmail.com, and I will get you in touch on how to be able to go to that in late July. So till next time, everybody, have a great, great Iron Day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.